Next Sunday is the 4th of July, and we're going to do one single service at 10 a.m. So be here early next week, okay, 10 a.m. Uh, you know, the 9 o'clockers, they, got, they get to wait a little bit, but the 11 o'clockers need you to be here at 10 next week. Having a very special service. Jamie's been working real hard on something very special for us, and this is about 4th of July, wrapping up God and country all together and our freedom, those things. So it's going to be a really special service at 10 a.m. Everybody say 10. 10 a.m., okay? And, uh, and we're going to be down at Mount Olive Ballpark at noon next, uh, next Sunday. Uh, going to have a picnic there and pray for good weather. This is the third thing we've planned at that, at that uh, park, okay? So pray for good weather. And don't pray for sun. We've had plenty of sun. Just pray for, and while we're praying, let's just pray for perfect weather, okay? We want, you know, temperature-wise and all that stuff. But uh, let's pray that it doesn't rain. We have an have a opportunity to have a good time. And this is a community event. We want, if, if you've got friends in the, in the area that you would like to introduce to your church, then please invite them to come. Or even if they've got their own church, they just want to come fellowship with us, please tell them to come do so. We've got some games planned and uh, hamburgers, hot dogs, homemade ice cream. See Lisa Farley if you've got questions and want to help with that, or see Trace if you'd like to help with games or set up or some of that kind of stuff, okay? And uh, so let's jump into the Word this morning. I, I've got, we're in a kind of an in-between place. Next week we've got something really special for the 4th of July, a different type service. And, um, you know, last week we just finished up the Island Series. Uh, the stage looks a little bare, doesn't it, uh, compared to the way it looked the last three weeks with the, with the cane and the, the corn plants and the palm trees and the coconuts and all that kind of stuff. And, and Wilson sitting up here. Wilson's gone, you know. He's gone back home. And, and uh, so it's, you know, I like doing the series because they kind of pull a lot of things together. A lot of times I think what we do is, is we, eat, we eat our little Sunday morning sermon meal, and then we forget about it. Because, and that's one of the reasons we try to do some follow-throughs uh, here and there throughout the week. But I, so I like doing this series, uh, but this week was going to be kind of a, an in-between. Between this series, uh, last week's series, and, and uh, next week was going to be a different, ser- a different type of service. And as I was asking God what, you know, where are we going to be? And, and it was really interesting to me about how God always gets you where he wants you before you even know you need to figure out where that is. Before you're asking God, where do I need to be? You turn around, you know, you ask him and you turn around, oh, okay, this is it. Because that's what God did with me when I, when I began praying about this, this service for this Sunday. And, and I was asking God, okay, God, where do we need to be? And he said, right where you and I have been in my prayer time with him and my talking and praying with him and asking him questions and studying the scripture. God says, right, right where you've been with me. I said, that's, that's what I've been doing. I've been getting you ready for that moment. So here we are this morning. I want to talk to you about the power of promise. The power of promise, and uh, I want to take take you to a a uh, several verses of scripture. You're going to go to a very interesting place to me uh, in the book of Numbers in just a, a couple of moments. But I, I want you to know this about a promise, okay? Before before we uh, have a word of prayer and get into our scripture, is sometimes we don't understand what a promise is because we think promises are made to be broken, right? You've heard that kind of thing. Promises are made to be broken. And sometimes when somebody tells us something and then we go back to them later and we ask them about it, they say, well, you know, I didn't promise that. Or I said, I know that's what I said, but that wasn't what I meant. You know what? God will never tell you that. You know, he, he doesn't play word games with us. What God says, God means. When God says it, you can take it to the bank. It's going to, and he doesn't even have to use the word promise because all of his words are basically promise. I mean, it's forever and ever. The word of God says it's, for, it's a yay and amen, meaning that it's solid. It's definite. You can count on it, and it always will be there. No matter, no matter what else happens, his promise is always there. And there is power 
in his promise. I meant, you know, the things that I can do for you, you know, I could promise you a million dollars tomorrow. Guess what? (laughs) You know what? Guess what? You know, but the power of the promises of God. We got, we got to, we got to just really change our whole thinking about promise when we start thinking about the promises God makes. Because it has nothing to do with the way you and I make and break and slip up and forget our promises. Because God never does. Would you pray with me? Father, I love you and I thank you, God, for promises. God promises in my life. God personal promises that you made to me. But God, all these promises in your word, Lord, that you've made to every one of us. And Lord, not just the ones that are sitting in this church or any other church today, but God, all these promises that have been made in your word, God, for every person that has ever lived, Lord, whether, God, whether they've accepted them or not. I just praise you, God, and thank you, Lord, for that. And, and the promise, God, that, that God just does amazing things, Lord, that when I think my life is, uh, just about to go through the, maybe the deepest, darkest valley it's ever been through, when I, I can see turmoil just beginning to raise up, Lord. And then all of a sudden, it seems like your promise just comes out of nowhere. And, and, and I don't even, don't even recognize what it is that is happening. And Lord, then I just turn around and all of a sudden everything's fixed. And I just thank you, God, for the power of your promise, Lord, that enables and takes care of those things and, and helps us through those things. And I pray, God, that, uh, th- there's some people here, Lord, that are going through some stuff. There's, uh, I got some, I got some brothers. I got some sisters in Christ sitting right here in front of me. God, they're going through some heavy stuff stuff and and they've got questions lord and they've got concerns lord and and even fear and doubt and worry lord that's been creeping into their heart and their their mind and god they really need you today god to 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 assure them that the promise is still sure and it's still true and god some of them need a personal promise lord i i've gotten one here and there before lord i've got some brothers and sisters really need a personal promise before this service is over and i ask you god speak to us all lord in jesus name we pray and everybody said Amen. Amen. Everybody said, amen. Okay. You're here, right? All right. We're going to go to the book of Numbers and let me set this up for you. There's a, it's a very interesting story in the book of Numbers. The children of Israel, you remember, uh, uh, God had to deliver them from Egypt. They were in bondage and slavery and God delivered them. Remember all the 10 plagues and then they walked through the Red Sea and all that. Then they were in the wilderness for 40 years. While they're in the wilderness for 40 years, they passed by, you know, a whole lot of people, a lot of different kinds of people. There was one that really hated him, and his name was Balak. And Balak, he wanted to do something against the Israelites. And so what he decided is, you know, they, they seem to just be a blessed people, you know, a people of promise. And so what he decided is he would hire somebody to come in and curse them. And so he found, he found a prophet, a prophet named Balaam. And, and Balaam, he was, now he's not a prophet like you and I sometimes think of a prophet. He wasn't perfect, okay? Uh, actually we see that he was kind of dealing in some other things, but there was some connection that he had. And maybe it was just that God was taking care of his children or whatever. Don't know exactly. You know, I can't really wrap my mind exactly around who this Balaam guy was because he's speaking for God. And then at other times he's dealing with some, sorcery and stuff. I can't really wrap my, my brain around that exactly, but this is who Balak hired. He hired Balaam. He said, I want you to come over and I want you to speak a curse over Israel because I can't stand them. I hate them. I'm tired of all these blessings they've got. And so he pays him. He's going to pay him to speak a curse. And three times Balaam is going to speak a curse over Israel. And all three times God gives him a word to speak over Israel. And it's not a curse. It's a promise. It's a blessing. And so, so Balak is paying Balaam three times. He tries to pay him to speak a curse over these blessed people. And when he begins to speak, what he speaks instead of another, instead of a curse is he speaks another promise. He speaks another blessing. 
So it's like on top of the blessings they've already got, here Balak is trying to buy a curse on them, and they get another blessing. They get another promise on top of that. Okay, so this is where our scripture is. It is uh, it's the second of the blessings, the attempted cursings that ended up being a blessing that Balaam speaks. And here it is. He says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. See, right here, first off, understand. God's not a man. You're, we, we've got to change our thinking about the promises of God. It, it, you know, we don't have to doubt, be worried, be concerned whatsoever, whether or not God is going to do what God said because he's not a man. He's, he's not going to have to repent and he cannot lie. You know, and this thing, this thing about repenting, you know, I know there's a couple of places in, in the word that it says God repents, but you know, he really can't repent or change his mind. God really can't change his mind because even if God says something and then he changes his mind to this, because God knows everything and he knows the future, he knew he was going to change his mind to this. So you know what? He already had his mind made up all along. He's just told us one thing and the way we see it is that God changed his mind. He really didn't. God was always in line with where he was headed and where he wanted to take you. So we, we got to change our whole thinking when we're thinking about promise. He is not a man that he should lie. He cannot lie and he, and he doesn't change his mind. Has God not, has God said and will he not do or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Behold, Balaam says, I've received a command from God. I've received a command to bless. God has blessed and I cannot reverse it. He has neither observed iniquity in Jacob nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. He says he hasn't seen iniquity, he hasn't observed the sin, and he hasn't observed, unrighteous, observed unrighteousness whatsoever in Israel. Can I ask you a question? Was there any iniquity in the nation of Israel at all? Was there any sin in the nation of Israel? Uh, yeah, sure, of course there was. Does that mean that God is blind? No. What it's saying is he's not observing it. He's not taking note of it. That's not what he's focused on today is what he's saying. You know what he's focused on? He's focused on the fact that these are already a blessed people. I've already got a promise hanging over them. He said he has not seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord his God, speaking of Israel, the Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. God brings them out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox. What God had just done. For there is no sorcery against Israel, nor any divination against, there, or against Jacob, no divination against Israel. There is no sorcery. Nor Israel. So he was hired to bring sorcery and divination. He was hired to speak a curse. And the one who was paid to bring a curse, get this, the one who was paid to bring a curse, the, the reason he woke up that morning, the whole purpose, he put on his clothes. You, you know you, what you do when you're getting ready for the day? You're kind of thinking about what you're going to be doing that day. You know, you pick out your clothes and whatever, you know, maybe stand in front of the mirror shaving or brushing your teeth or whatever, you know, you're kind of thinking through your day. Think about this. This guy who was paid to speak a curse, that's what he's thinking about when he's getting ready. He's going out. He's getting over to a mountain where he can look over Israel and get ready to speak this curse. His whole purpose for the day is speak a curse. And yet, what does he say? He said there is no curse that can be spoken. There is no sorcery. There is no divination that can be spoken against them. Now, here's a guy that... Like I said, I can't wrap my mind around him. I don't really understand who this guy is because it's like he, he does speak cursings and sorceries but at the same time God gives him words I don't really understand who this guy is but here's a guy that really is connected to the spirit world and what does he say he said even though it's my purpose there is no sorcery or divination that can be spoken against these people it must now be said of Jacob and of Israel, oh, what God has done. What he's saying is, we've all got to just step back now and say, oh, my goodness, what God has done. He's, he's saying 
this little phrase here is not something the way we would say it. What we would say in this is we have to say, hey, man, you just got to you just got to step back and just look and say, my goodness, what God has done for those people. And this is what your enemy knows as well. You, you know, your enemy, he, he kind of makes you feel talk about Satan, you know, and you may even have some earth enemies, you know, some physical enemies that are kind of doing his things, just like, you know, Balaam and Balak. You may have some of those in your life. But even your enemy knows that God has blessed you and he cannot reverse it. Because if we go back to the first curse, there's a phrase he says right here. He says, how shall I curse whom God has not cursed? This is what Balaam says the first time he tries to curse God's people. And it comes out a blessing instead of a curse. And Balak gets mad at him and said, I paid you to come curse these people. And you're blessing them again. And what does he say? He says, how can I curse whom God has not cursed? This guy who understood spiritual things. He understood how the spirit realm worked. And you know what? Balaam, even though he was dealt with a whole lot of weird stuff and uh, divination and sorcery and stuff. He understood more about the spirit realm than you and I do today. And this guy, you know what he says? He says, if basically, what is that saying? If God has not cursed it, you can't curse it. You know what? Sometimes we get to feeling like our lives are cursed, our, our, our relationships are cursed, our finances are cursed, maybe even our marriages are cursed, our kids are cursed, and the things we think all these things are cursed. But if God has not cursed it, it cannot be cursed. And can I tell you something? You need to know this. You need to know that you are a child of promise. You're not a child of the curse. You're a child of promise. If you have ever felt his drawing in your heart, in your spirit, to come to know him, if you have ever experienced any of that, then I can promise you, you are a child of promise because he has drawn you to the promise. All these promises that he's spoken in his word, he has drawn them, drawn you to them to receive them. They are yours. You're a child of promise. And if you're a child of promise, that means God hasn't cursed you. And if God hasn't cursed you, then nobody can curse you. And then he says something in the third curse, one other little phrase, we'll bring it in here, bring back to your remembrance because this was something that God spoke to their great, 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 great-great-granddaddy Abraham when he first called Abraham and he was telling him about this big nation of Israel that he was going to make come out of him. And he's, this is what God said then. And Balaam repeats this in the third blessing when he says, blessed is he who blesses you and cursed is he who curses you. Now he's speaking over Israel and he said, blessed is he who blesses you and cursed is he who curses you. So you know what, you know what he's saying right there? Here's Balak, Balak standing there, you know, just paid the guy to curse Israel. But what does he do? He says, Israel, the people who want to curse you, they're going to be cursed. Talking about Balak, you know, so Balak has paid for a curse on Israel, but what he ends up with is he gets a curse on himself, you know. It's kind of like that thing, you know, some of those kid, things we used to say as kids, you know, you know, that stuff like whatever you say, it sticks to you, you know, like glue, all that kind of, you know, little thing. That's what was happening. That's what Balak said. He said, I want a curse on them. And Balaam says, you can't put a curse on them, but because you want to curse them, God's going to have to curse you. The blessing is going to be on the ones that God blesses, regardless of what you and I want to do. The blessing is there. The curse cannot be there because God has not brought the curse. You need to understand the power of promise. In your life, if God has made a promise, that promise is going to happen. That promise is going to... If somebody comes in here this morning with a machete and chops you into a thousand pieces, but God said tomorrow morning you're going to be doing something somewhere, whatever, all those thousand pieces are going to have to come back together before in the morning because God said you got to be there. I mean, no matter what happens to you, no matter what struggles you've got, no matter what enemies attack you, no matter what curse comes upon your life, because of the power of, pro the power of promise, of God's promise, is stronger than anything else that can happen in your life. And what you need to be doing is living 
by the promise. I, I told you, I asked God, where are we going to be this Sunday? And he said, right where I've been getting you. And here, here's, here's, let me tell you a little bit about me and God talking. And me talking about my church. And the people that come to hear me speak on Sundays. And the people that come on Wednesday nights to, to our other ministries and our small groups and things. And, and the things that God was sharing with me is we're not living as people of promise. We're not trusting him that his promise is strong enough to get me through all of my stuff. In actuality, we're trusting more in our own abilities than we are in his ability. Let me tell you three things about a promise. The first thing, first thing for a promise to be in effect, the first thing is this. It has to be made. Well, I guess you got that figured out, right? But it also has to be received. If you don't receive the promise, then the promise isn't in effect. I mean, you know, if you promise to love some, you know, you guys, you promise to love some little girl, you know, all the days of your life, you know, until death do you part and all that. And she doesn't accept the promise. She won't walk down the aisle with you and promise and accept all that. Guess what? The promise isn't in effect. You can go find some other little girl to love and honor and cherish till death do you part, right? The promise has to be accepted. Can I tell you again? This Bible is full of promises. It's pro- if you're sick in body, there's, there are promises in here. And there are blanket promises to everybody, just like the promise that was made to Abram. Back to thousands of years before this, that he's going to bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. All these promises in here, there are many blanket promises to everybody. Now, you need to hear your own, get your own personal promise. But let me tell you, these promises are for you as well. And they are just as amen as all the rest of them are, the ones that are personal to you. All these blanket promises. Uh, there's promise in here that if you're, if you're sick, you know, there's promise for healing. If you're, uh, if you're not a Christian, if you've got sin in your life, the Word of God says if we call upon Him, He is faithful and just to hear us, and He will forgive our sin. He'll forgive us if we call upon Him. Uh, there, there are promises in here about our finances. If we do what we're supposed to do, He says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to rebuke the devourer for your sake. So I'm going I'm to you know, pour out blessings such that you cannot receive. He says, I'm going to do these things. There are promises like that. If, if we need direction, there are promises in here for direction. If we get tired and we get weary, there are promises in here for strength. All of these promises that are in here, they've been made. But here's the second part of that very first point is, have they been received? Have you walked down the aisle with God says God and say, yes, God, I received this. I need this promise. See, this is where we're at, is we're not living as children of promise. We're not living under the promise, but we're living under maybe our own. Say, well, I don't need that one, God. I'm okay right now. You know, we don't want to walk down the aisle and promise everything. You know, hey, let's just, let's just agree about this one little thing. Or maybe we want to pick and choose. You know, we, you know, we kind of, you know, think this is Burger King. Have it your way, you know, and I want pickles on that blessing and promise, but I don't want this and I don't want that. We want to pick and choose the promises and, and we don't understand this whole thing is a promise and it's just full of a bunch of promises. But for the promise to be in effect, it has to be accepted. So uh, that's the first thing to ask yourself. Have you accepted the promise of God in your life? So much so that you are living as a child of promise. You gotta live as a child of promise if you want the promise to work. Now the second thing is, uh, is you have to also, uh, there are two parts of the promise. Somebody makes it and somebody receives it. Okay, so the, the second thing is about the person that receives it. The person that receives the promise 
has to do what is required. I mean, normally when you make a promise to somebody, you make a promise based on something else, right? I mean, I hear all of you a lot of times. You know, I, I hear you all over the place. I hear you in, in restaurants and everywhere. And you make promises, but you require something, you know. You tell your child, you know, do that one more time and I'm going to beat you within an inch of your life, you know. You make promises, but you yes, and I'm getting some testimony back here in the back. And you make, make promise, but the promise is based on an action, right? If you do so-and-so, I'll do, now, and sometimes you do it the other way, right? You say, if you'll be good... I'll get you an ice cream cone, or we'll get a prize, or we'll do this, or go here, or go there, right? And you, and you make a promise, but the promise is based on if you do something. And that's the same way it is with God's promises. For the promise to be in effect, the receiver has to accomplish whatever has been laid out. You know, you don't say, you don't say to your fiance, young men, you don't say, hey, I'll love you no matter if you love everybody else in town. No, you don't say that, do you? He said, no, I'm going to promise to love you, but I want you to promise to love me and it just be us too the rest of our life. That's what the promise is, is if you'll do your part, I'll do my part. And that's what God says. So here's the second question to ask yourself is, are you doing your part? If you're doing your part, then the promise is in effect and it's going to happen and it's going to protect you and all the things, other stuff that wants to come into your life. But the third part of the promise is that other person. The person who makes the promise, which is God. The person who made this promise and all these promises and the person who makes the promise to you, the personal promises that you have, is, is the promise and the power and the strength of the promise is based on the ability of the promise maker to be able to fulfill the promise. You know, like I said earlier, if I promise you a million dollars tomorrow morning when you wake up and get out of bed, you know, how many of you are going to set your alarm clock really early? Nobody raised their hand. But if God tells you tomorrow morning, as soon as you get out of bed, I am going to whatever, you know, you'll, you need to set your alarm clock. Don't, don't sleep in. Don't sleep till eight or nine o'clock. My goodness, set the alarm clock. If he says when you get out of bed in the morning, get on up, you know, and get to it because his ability, he is able. Paul, the word of God talks about, says that Paul was, uh, or Paul was saying about Abraham that, that he was Fully, he believed that God was fully capable of doing exactly what he promised he would do. And you know what? Paul believed that as well. You remember last week's sermon, Shakabrata, you know, and when they ended up being, uh, shipwrecked on the island, but nobody died. You remember, you remember what Paul told them? He said, Hey, we're going to have to be shipwrecked, but I believe God, that it will be just as it was told me. Can I tell you something? Here's the thing. The strength of a promise is based on the ability of the promise maker to carry it out. God is able to do what? Anything. And so he is able to accomplish everything he says he will accomplish in your life. So when God says it, you need to understand it's going to happen if God says it. If you fulfill number two and you fulfill number one, have you accepted the promise? I mean, is he your is he your Lord or just your Savior? We all want the Savior. Nobody wants to go to hell. Anybody want to go to hell? You know, anybody want to have problems in your life? Anybody want to struggle? Anybody want to be sick? Nobody. We all want a Savior, but do we want a Lord? I mean, there's a two way street here, and the reason he's got to be Lord is because he's the one who knows everything. It'd be bad in your relationship if you were Lord and he wasn't. That's why he's got to be the Lord in the situations because he knows everything and he has the ability to do everything. So you got to do that. And secondly, you've got to do your part. What is your part? 
You've got to move in that direction. You've got to move in that, in that arena. You've got you've to accomplish and fulfill those things. You've got to keep doing those things. Because he is able to complete and fulfill every bit of the promise. Take you to a, a story in uh, Judges. Judges, uh, one, of the, one of the judges' name. Y'all, y'all remember the guy, the guy let his hair grow out real long, you know, because he was real strong. You remember why he had his hair grow out and didn't cut it? You remember why he didn't get drunk? You remember why? Because of a promise. God said, if he will be a Nazarite from the womb, don't cut his hair, don't let him get drunk, he'll be a Nazarite from the womb, I'm going to use him to deliver my people. Talking about Samson. Y'all remember Samson, right? Let's read the end of the story of Samson. Samson called to the Lord, verse 28 saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines from my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two pillars, two middle pillars, which supported the temple, and he braced himself against the one, one on his right and the other on his left. Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on on the lords and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. Let me die with the Philistines. Not, not a real exciting verse of Scripture to bring out right here, is it? But he's, he was praying, God, let me die. How, how did he end up right here? Samson, this, this guy, I meant, you know, he just he tore the gates off the city wall one time. You know, how does he end up like this? I meant, he, he you know, kills armies with just a, a piece of a, of a bone from a dead donkey. I mean, how does he end up like this and God just let me die with... You know, it sounds like some of us just giving up. Oh, let me die with my... But that's not what he's doing. He's not giving up. He's standing up one last time. If you know the story, if you don't, let me give you some background detail and just remind you what it's about. Is he had this power, and he had this power, and if you go back to our, our three things, our three points about it, he had this power because of a promise, because he had accepted the promise and because he was acting on the promise. But he lost the promise of this, this supernatural strength that God had given him and this ability that God, I mean, he was, he was a true superhero back in the Old Testament. He was a true superhero. God was using him in miraculous ways. But he lost it because of the second part. He broke that part of what he was supposed to do. And, and he, started, he started playing around with these little girls, you know, Started talking to him, you know, and they started flirting with him, you know, and, and then one named Delilah. I mean, she really got under his skin. I mean, he was just so messed up with, the, you know, Bambi, they call it Bambi, call it Twitter pated, you know. You know, he was just so Twitter pated with her that, you know, she could just about twist any little thing and he was willing to do it. And she finally got the secret of his strength. And while he slept, she cut his hair. And then the strength of God that he had had all this time and the promise of God that he had left him. Why? Because he broke number two. He, he broke. He, he did not stay with the commitment of the promise of what God required him to do. He was no longer a Nazarite. He had walked away from God. He had, dropped, he had just dropped it all. You know what, remember what they did to him? They blinded him. They burned or gouged out his eyes, blinded him, and they had him serve as a slave grinding in the mill. And then on this day that we just read about, they brought him out to make sport or make fun of him. And they just abused him and made fun of him in front of all the lords of the Philistines. And then he says, oh God, remember me, I pray this once. 
let me die with my enemies right here. And he reminds God of the promise. Just one more time, God. One more time. And God remembers the promise. God gives him his strength back. He stands there between the two pillars, pushes against them, brings the house down, and kills more of the enemy of the Israelites than he had killed in all the other battles that he had ever faced altogether. In a way, it doesn't look like a very glorious ending because I've got I to tell you this. Listen, I've got to tell you this. I, I, I'm definitely not saying, and I think you've gotten that by this, this second part of this, is you can't just do everything you're going to do and the power of promise is going to supersede that. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying because Samson still died and he died blind. God didn't give him his sight back. God didn't let him revel in any glory anymore. There are no songs being sung about Samson that he heard. They might have been singing him the next day when, he, when you know, everybody realized what had happened. But he didn't get any of the glory back. I mean, he, he still died, and he still died blind. He didn't get his sight back, all those things. Couldn't reverse all that stuff. So here, here's the thing, is, is if you, you've got promise, and you have promise, you do. If you've got promise, you're walking in the promise, but you walk away from that promise, you start living your other way and whatever, you're going to start building some stuff in your life that you're going to always have in your life that you may never get out of your life. Because like, like Samson, he was blind the rest of his days, even though here at the very end of his life, he asked God and God came back to him. They reunited him and they made covenant again. The promise was still in effect but he was still died blind. I, I, I'm not telling you you can do everything. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you just the opposite. You cannot do just anything you want to do and hang on to every bit of the beauty of what God wants, but the promise is still there. The promise is still there because it, it, it looks like a very inglorious ending, but it's not. It was a beautiful ending because he ended in the promise. Because the promise was more powerful even than his mistakes that he had made last week, last month, last year. And we all make them, don't we, right? Is there sin in the house today? Who said sure a little while ago when we were talking about Israel? Is there sin? In, are there mistakes in the lives of the people that are sitting here today? Have we messed up? Have we ignored God? Yeah, sure, we have. And, and the stuff we're doing to ignore God and, and just want to live our own way, that's what, that's what Samson did. And, you know, oh yeah, I'm going I'm to still try to hang on to this. I'm going to keep my hair long best I can. But he played around with the, with the wrong thing long enough that he still lost the promise for that period of time. And a lot of bad things began happening in his life. And some of those things were never, but the promise stayed in effect. And here's the thing, I want, I want to make sure, really, really hammering this a little bit, because I want to make sure nobody misunderstands me here. I am not saying you can live how you want to, and God's going to still bring good things to your life. But I am saying this, if God makes you a promise two days ago, and you mess up royally yesterday, the promise is still in effect today. If you're willing to back up to number two and do what you're supposed to do. Because sometimes we, we, we get in our mind that I've messed up so bad, almost like God can't even fix this. I mean, have you, have you ever felt that way? Or some people feel that way. I've messed up so bad, even God can't fix my life. But you know, when you start thinking along those terms, that I was so bad yesterday, 
that the promise God made before that can no longer be in effect. You know what you're saying? You're saying that my bad is stronger than God's good. And you can never be so bad that you can destroy God's good. His good will always be better than your bad if you'll just return to it. Come back to the promise. Live under the promise. Problem is, is we don't act like we need it anymore. We don't say it out loud, but we don't need God. We don't need God like my mom and dad, my grandparents did. We got it figured out. Bad economy right now, but I just work another job if I need a little extra money. Set the alarm clock, go in two hours early, make some overtime. We'll get it paid off. Oh, yeah, the doctor said I've got a little something wrong, but you know, medical science these days, they figure out everything. They'll give me something to make me feel better until they figure out how to cure me. We don't need God anymore. We got it all figured out. Relationships, there's another little girl around the corner. There's another guy around the, around the corner. I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. And we have that same attitude when we grow up and get married. And we say, oh, there'll be another one around the corner. I don't, I don't really have to have God in my marriage. I don't really need God. To, I mean, we don't say that, do we? But we live that way. And if you don't need God, then you're not living in a promise. You're living way below what God wants you to have if you don't need him. Because if you're, if you're living, and I'm talking to Christians, okay? If, but if you're living your life in a way that you can do it all by yourself and you don't need God, you're not living in promise. You're missing so much stuff. The promise is powerful. Powerful enough to get you through everything, through everything, over everything, around everything, and hold you through it you get to the other side. I want to ask you to do me a favor. Would you help me close this service here in the front prayer area? Would everyone stand and just come to the front? We're going to have a prayer together. Jamie's going to lead us in a final song.